Welcome to the podcast that is designed to fuel your success in selling technology solutions. I'm your host, Josh Lopresto, VP of Sales Engineering at Tolaris, and this is Next Level Biz Tech. everybody. Welcome back. I'm your host, Josh Lopresto, SVP of Sales Engineering at Tolaris, and this is the Next Level BizTech Podcast. This week, we're talking about advanced networking. We're talking about SD-WAN and everything in between, and we have the pleasure of being joined by the one, the great, the only Josh Hazelhorst, world-renowned SD-WAN networking architect, Mr. Hazelhorst. Welcome on. What an what a introduction, man. I'm famous. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. Happy to be here. Love it. Uh, so, so I want to I want to hear about you first. I want to get everybody. Uh, you know, everybody knows you are you are covering the Southwest, but you're also really a, a very strong subject matter expert for SD WAN networking and security. But let's get let's let's dial it back to just you. How did you start in this technology? Have you always been in this path? Did you do something dramatically different and then just you know, this sucked you in one day or uh, where did you start? Yeah, great question. I mean, when I started in tech, I was just a sales rep. I didn't even, I didn't know anything about tech. I was actually in the boat business for a long time selling offshore race boats, yes. warlocks and domsies and cigarettes and stuff like that as a, as a young man. And that was fun, but you know, you just didn't make a heck of a lot of money, right? So, you know, I got a job at IBM. This was in the, I would say mid nineties or whatever. And IBM had just launched, launched this thing called uh, ThinkPad University. So they had this program to where university students from like Ohio State, Florida State or whatever, as they enroll, they get a brand new ThinkPad as, a, as part of their deal, right? So that was my, that was my first job in, in tech. And I realized real quick, I hated technology. Literally hated. I was working for this reseller of this, this ThinkPad thing. And they'd be the guys running around with the chicken suit and the sales wheel and throwing candy. And I'm like... <laughs> This is, this is just too hokey for me, man. I, I, I hate that. So I got out of there probably within, I don't know, maybe a year or two and started with a, uh, a VAR uh, that was a distributor, a distributor at the time called Avnet and started an inside sales, smiling and dialing, you know, George Costanza, want to buy a computer? No, want to buy a computer? No. And so I did that for a while and then just moved up and we got uh, onto the Cisco side of the house and became you know, Cisco certified in the, in the, in the uh, advanced wireless and the call managers and all that other jazz. And then Avnet sold their, their Cisco practice to another company called Kalence. Well, Kalence didn't need all of us from Avnet. They were already one of the biggest, you know, Cisco reseller integrators on the planet. So we all pretty much got whacked that day. And then just started hopping from bars to integrators. But every time I went to a different bar, a different integrator, I would go to a different discipline. So I started in that Cisco world, then I went to another bar and, and started building a, a storage practice through EMC. So we started building, you know, backup recovery archive solutions and monster, you know, million dollar SIMs for giant data centers and stuff like that. And then this horrible idea of cloud compute came about. Well, there I go, right? Nobody's buying million dollar, you know, stands anymore. They're just going to do it on an as a service model for a couple of pennies a gig, stuff like that. I actually got out of tech. I said, that's it. I I'm done. And in between, I got a whole bunch of Cisco certs, a whole bunch of EMC certs. So now I know storage, compute, network, stuff like that. But I'm like, I tech, I'm done, man. This is after probably 10, maybe 15 years of doing it. And uh, opened up my own construction company, bought trucks and trailers, uh, 
marketed myself out to a bunch of real estate agents. That's when all the foreclosures were going like crazy. Well, how do you sell a foreclosed home? You got to clean out all the garbage, right? And I thought, ah, I'm going to buy trucks and trailers. I'm going to hire a bunch of people. We're just going to go clean out garbage and make homes conveyable. And it started with doing a couple homes a week and to doing 20, 30, 40 of them a week throughout the entire state. I had like a crew of 20 throughout the entire state. We were, oh, I don't know. We were probably netting 300, 400K a year just cleaning out homes so real estate agents could sell them. And then Bank of America Countrywide, who I had my contract with, sold to a company called Safeguard out of Ohio, or sold my contract to a company called Safeguard out of Ohio. And that was it. Light switch just turned off. And I thought, oh, my, and my wife is in tech at the time too. And I thought, I got to get a job. The only thing I know is tech. Well, crud. Started filling out resumes. Got a first, first job opportunity I got was for a, a cloud voice company. I don't know about cloud voice, right? Except for on-prem Cisco world. And now we're talking about, so then I started doing that and then got into that, started doing my own deployments, got, you know, getting certified, getting engineering certs, all that other jazz. And then I realized back then from a data warehousing world, there were technologies inside data storage world, like data deduplication, uh, like software defined, you know, networking inside that data warehousing world from database to data, colo to colo, stuff like that. And then we started doing this cloud voice thing. And I thought, why can't I do, why aren't people doing the same thing in this, in this voice thing? Everybody's complaining. I'm not going to, I'm never going to go hosted voice, right? Because reliability and internet and all this, I'm just going to get PR headlines, zip trunks. And I, so the whole reason people wouldn't go to cloud was because of reliability, redundancy, security mechanisms, right? So the thought was, guys, why aren't, why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we partnering up with companies that'll do things like, you know, application, you know, controls and link aggregation and load balancing. And, you know, in a data world, we have load balancers, but that was for storage, server, server, all this. Why can't we do this for voice? So we started bringing in other companies like Velo Cloud, for example, to fix voice problems. But the problem was we wouldn't talk about building a reliable network, building a way to reroute around internet anomalies. We would sell the voice. Here's your 15 seats, your 20 seats, your 100 seats. And then when you called in at about the hundredth time complaining about how horrible this thing is, once you start talk, start, started talking about lawyers, about contract termination, then we would say, hey, why don't you plug this box in? And it just magically fixes this voice issue. And I, I started hitting myself in the head going, guys, why don't we do that first? And then when we roll out our application, we never have a problem. So now our customer service that's taken the I hate you calls every single day goes away because we fixed their network first and then layered on the application, right? So I did that for several years. And then I left the UCAS market and went to an SD-WAN manufacturer. Okay, how does this stuff really work? How can this stuff really get built? How do we start taking these technologies and start bringing in other technologies into the same solutions? So then we started looking at things like, how do I implement a firewall into SD-WAN, right? How do I implement advanced threat hunting into SD-WAN? How do I do, how do I collapse environments so an IT admin doesn't have 13 appliances and 15 pieces of software they have to manage? Isn't there a way I can just have like one box and one piece of software that can manage my entire organization? And now I don't have to have 11 product managers to support 19 different countermeasures. So that's kind of where it started going. And then, you know, I got to go get certified in every firewall on the planet, every testing man on the planet. How does everyone from Arioca to Zen layer do it, right? What are the ins and outs? What can they do? What can't they do? 
And more importantly, then are there still holes, right? Are there holes in security or in the holes the way specific applications work around SD-WAN? And if there are holes, is that yet another product or is that now just a product dev that needs to now integrate into their existing SD-WAN platform? And, and these things have turned into now past in my world, right? Platform as a service that, what do you want? Do you want it to be sassy? Do you want it to be CASB? Do you just want it to so you know, do bandwidth consolidated? What, what do you want? Let's talk and about that. that. Let's, right. let's talk about what it is now. I love the journey. I love the wild story. Uh, yeah. And this industry always seems to suck everybody back in, whether we like it or not. Oh, dude, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's talk. Let's set the stage a little bit. I mean, I, I think for anybody that doesn't understand this, there's a lot of layers, right? There's... SD-WAN with security. There's SD-WAN without security. There's SD-WAN from my aggregator. There's SD-WAN by itself. If we if we we know that some of those things are the options, right? And then we, like you said, we start to get into the new stuff, the CASB and SASE and things like that. We can get to that a little bit at the end of kind of where this is all going. I think it, it ties into there. But let's yeah. just let's just level set on. What would you say? this does what does this technology why is it there what does it do and why is it better than what somebody might have from a legacy perspective to kind of bring back to some of the points you brought up yeah yeah and when i go around the country and i talk to the partners integrators manufacturers i work with a lot of the product dev teams stuff like that very very common questions right like what's the next evolution and what sd-wan does what first of all let's let, let, let's level set this sd-wan is not a product it's not a box it's not a blinky light it is not a spinning disk. SD-WAN is a risk management, risk tolerance idea. It is a theoretical idea of what, what applications do I run in my environment that are my crown jewels? What do I make money doing? I have to understand the customer's use case. How do I make money? Now, based on how I make money, how do I protect that application? And how do you need it protected, right? So when we talk about over-the-top SD-WANs versus SASEs versus CASBs versus PaaS, it's really not about, oh, do I need a full stack, you know, Fortinet, Cato, Cisco, whatever. It's really about that use case of, okay, let's look at operations and logistics and risk management first. What applications do you have, Mr. Customer, that cannot risk a failover, failback event? Is that desktop as a service? Is it workspace as a service? Is it your containers in AWS, Azure, GCP? Is it, what is it that needs, requires based on risk management, risk tolerance, 100% application uptime, zero failures. Do you have any of those applications in your organization, Mr. Customer? Yes, no. If the answer is no, I literally have nothing. We don't run on computers. We run on, you know, post-its and, and, and sheets and then maybe they're not a fit for SD-WAN. But again, going back to the SD-WAN in a product, right? SD-WAN is three things. It is management, meaning I can open one GUI interface and I can manage single locations or multiple locations and multiple technologies in the same admin user interface. Visibility is a second pillar. Can I see analytics of my internet circuits, my top talkers, my top users, my top applications, my latency, my packet loss, my jitter, uh, my crosstalk. Uh, can I see what connected IPs I have, right? Do I have visibility into my entire organization, right? So when we talk about SD-WAN, I guess in a, like an ITSM world or a network management world, Kaseya, SolarWinds, things like that, would, 
would those actually qualify as SD-WAN if they hit one of those pillars? Well, yeah. If I can manage everybody in a single interface, right? Then, yeah, those would qualify. And then the third biggest com component is automation. If something happens, an event happens, and Internet 1 dies and goes over to Internet 2, do I have to manually do anything? Do I have to push a reset button? Do I have to go into a software portal and click anything? Do I have to manually do anything for it to go from Internet 1 to Internet 2 or Internet 2 to Internet 1? Or does it do it automatically for me? If it does it automatically for me, guess what? Any one of those pillars or any combination of those pillars of management, visibility, and automation qualify as SD-WAN. So then you got manufacturers out there and Gartner out there and all that go going, oh, I'm CradlePoint, I'm SD-WAN. I'm MicroTik, I'm SD-WAN. I'm Peplink, I'm SD-WAN. Well, if you're failing over and failing back automatically, then yeah, you qualify. Doesn't mean you're going to keep applications in 100% uptime situations because now that's the risk management, risk tolerance conversation around applications. But there's a ton of things that qualify as SD-WAN. Some guys say, oh, there's 40 SD-WAN platforms out there. No, there's 75. And it's because what qualifies as SD-WAN depends on what the customer needs to protect. So it comes back. It. So it comes back to a business conversation. I, I'd say it that's is. the that's the funny thing about this, right? I mean, this is this podcast is meant to be a little bit of technical exposure to how some of these um, different vendors and things like that work. But there has been a common thread. It really just comes down to what problem are you trying to solve? To your point. You know, what, what applications are your crown jewels? Are they resilient? Can you afford them to have downtime and just stop and listen? And I, I, I think it's fascinating. I think people are surprised when we come in from a technical acumen and we're just asking business questions because that's really all it comes yeah. down to, right? Yeah. And when I teach partners, right, you know, I, don't, I wouldn't say sales 101. I would maybe say sales like 202 is, hey, I want to start, you know, understanding SD-WAN so I can sell SD-WAN to my customer. How do I sell SD-WAN, Josh? Don't. Do not sell SD-WAN. SD-WAN sells itself. SD-WAN is the hook to all these other cloud services that you want to sell. You want to sell cloud migrations from on-prem to AWS, Google, Tierpoint, Flex Central, Rackspace. How are you going to do that migration? How are you going to connect to it? How are you going to connect to it securely? Well, now it's an SD-WAN conversation. How do you need those applications for form behave? Now it's an SD-WAN conversation, right? Oh, I need... And I get this all the time. I just had one uh, this, this morning is, hey, I want to get into that. And I do, I do UCAS, TCAS, and, and internet. Sweet. You get people calling you up. Hey, uh, I need a, a secondary internet connection. Cool. Let's do like everybody else does and sell them whatever's on net, near net, and just sell them that $136 broadband circuit. Right? We're done? No. How do you want that circuit to behave? What applications cannot tolerate failover and failback? I didn't sell them SD-WAN. What I sold them is you're going to have two internet connections. Why not use two internet connections? Why buy another connection that you're going to use 4 or 5% of the time? Why not use it all the time and have your critical applications dictate which connection is correct in real time? Why don't we do that? I didn't sell SD-WAN. I sold how do you want your internet to behave? which happens to be SD-WAN. But then it gets way, way deeper though, right? Is if I'm talking to the telecom and the, and the uh, internet guy at, at the company, that is an over-the-top SD-WAN solution, bandwidth conditioning tools, right? Stuff like that. Okay, great. I'm link aggregating. I'm always up. Sweet, wonderful. Well, what are your firewalls? Maybe your existing firewalls can already do this. Maybe it can already do this with just a upgrade of an OS. You know, maybe they can't do it at all and we need an over-the-top. Mm -hmm. And more importantly than that, who is managing these firewalls? So now we get into this whole cybersecurity conversation of, I really want to start selling cybersecurity, but I don't know how. Well, I'm not selling cybersecurity. I sold you a secondary internet circuit, right? I asked you how I wanted to behave. 
turned into an FD-WAN conversation. What applications are you running? Turned into a, I'm, I want to go buy a hosted voice. Oh, okay, well, now I can sell them hosted voice. I can sell them the internet. I can sell them the FD-WAN. Now what are your firewalls? Who's managing them? Who's do, when, how often do you're looking at your firewall log? Are you doing advanced anomaly detection? Are you doing vulnerability scans, pen testing, all this other stuff? Are you ingesting those logs into a analyzer, a SEM, into a security operations? And then it's, oh my God, no, Josh, I don't have security operations teams. I'm not doing advanced threat hunting. I just bought a off the shelf firewall that said it's HIPAA compliant. Sweet. How deep in cyber maturity do you guys want to get? Do you want to start building formalized frameworks? Do you want to start doing defense in depth, everything from endpoint security awareness training to endpoint protection all the way into data loss prevention and really start getting cyber mature? Or did you outsource an MSSP that's already doing that? Because now that starts dictating which SD-WAN platforms. Now that we already determined from the telco and internet guy that SD-WAN is a need, well, now it's a which one. Right, which tech is going to be correct for your organization? Because if I've already out, Josh, if I already outsourced all cybersecurity to whoever, am I going to go in and talk about the Cato's and the Fortinets and the Versus of the world? No, no, I'm not even talking to that guy. He doesn't even know what I'm saying, right? So now I'm just talking to the telco and internet guy. So it's really right. going to depend on their their risk, I guess, platform and and their logistics and operation of who can support what. And where are the holes and gaps? Because a lot of times we can kill a lot of birds with one stone. And, you know, I I, I, I want to make sure, too, that everything that anybody hears is that this is the value of being a Telerus partner, right? They get to ride side by side with you, helping them with their customers in these discovery calls because this, this technology is complex, but it doesn't have to be. Um, so, you know, small plug for the Telerus engineering team, right? That's what we're here to do. We're here to help you figure these things out, figure out where your customers are at, figure out where they're going, figure out what their pitfalls are going to be and talk about pitfalls that, um, you know, we can, I, I think, hopefully help them avoid. So, um, I, you know, I think you laid down some good things about how a partner can be, can be asking these questions and not, not make it about a specific technology, make it about a business. Need. And, and, and you did start to allude to some of the trends and I want to jump into trends here. I want to go trends and then I want to get into a detailed example. So from a, from a trends perspective, um, you know, five flashback, I remember we started doing this years ago, the idea of putting a box managed as a service in a customer's environment that they didn't totally know what it did. No way. Get that box out of here. I ain't doing that. I manage all my own gear. I got all these pieces and I, and I got, I can adequately staff and I got no problems with that. It's great. Fast forward to where we're at now. A uh, massive employment shortage that keeps getting worse and worse. Um, the the great resignation, all this stuff coming off the back of COVID, blah blah blah. What are some trends that 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 you're seeing these days that you didn't see a couple years ago that, that maybe partners should look out for? Yeah, no, great question. And, and go back to that COVID specific, right? As we had you know office workers, you know coming into the office in the cube farm doing their jobs. I got my on-prem firewalls. I got my security team. You know we're beautiful. Everything's cool. We might need some other countermeasures and stuff like that. But then, then I send everybody home. Well, how am I going to securely connect those guys when I send everybody to go work from home? Oh, well, I got VPN licenses on my firewalls. Okay, how many concurrents can you actually handle? What's the capacity? Well, when I bought my firewall, I bought 25 concurrent VPN licenses, and then I sent 150 people home. Well, that's cool, because only 25 at a time can actually do work, right? So what did I do? <laughs> I'm going to get more concurrent VPN licenses, but every box has a max capacity. So then, uh-oh, I guess I have to get a bigger 
firewall that supports more VPN licenses, or I go buy another appliance called a VPN concentrator, or I go buy another appliance called a security mode access appliance, right? And then it was, okay, well, nobody's here. Who's going to rack and stack those appliances? How am I still going to get these guys into their network resources working from home? This was an absolute nightmare. And even if I did get a VPN concentrator or secure mode access appliance, the, the, the configuration of that and getting those tunnels, this is, this is weeks and weeks. And I got remote workers sitting at home, can't do any work. And, and that was a problem, right? So SD-WAN platforms, some SD-WAN platforms solved for that when it came in as a, hey, why don't we just go ahead and decommission those old firewalls, drop a gateway in there. Now my gateway is doing local SD-WAN. It's doing all of my advanced security algorithms and it's doing VPN as a service from a service provider on my backbone. And now that VPN congestion is no longer shoved in your wiring closet or your, your internet, right? So it just made it clean and quick, right? And these things could be deployed in like seconds. And then all of a sudden it was, wait a minute, I got everybody sitting at home yeah, I got them, you know, secure remote access, and that's all cool. But their home internet is garbage. I mean, they're complaining all the time. Their voice quality is horrible. I had one that was a uh, an, an animatronics company that went home and started doing, you know, animations and running these trackball technologies. They need to be real-time and super fast on this residential broadband and going, this is horrible. Well, yeah, it's horrible because kids are in Google Classroom. Mom's working from home, too. You got one stick of residential internet. I got to have a way to carve, again, my business critical applications and get everybody else out of my way, even in a single residential world. So now resident home SD-WAN was created. Now I just put a little appliance in there. I plug in my little deal and and boom, you know, I'm, I'm up and running and I'm actually steering my application around anomalies in real time. I didn't have to do a bunch of stuff. I just had to plug in this box that would do it for me, right? So that's kind of how that evolution worked. Cut to today, we're starting to talk about the hybrid, right? Is okay, I'm going to come. I got remote workers, but some of them are going to come in. Some are going to come out. Some, maybe these guys are going to work here Mondays and Tuesdays. And then Thursdays and Fridays are going to be home and a different shift is going to come in that pool. It's, is it, but I, I can't have multiple different mechanisms to secure these guys and give them connections. So now how do I do this? And now we're thinking of platforms and we're rolling out platforms like Sassy and Casby platforms and ZTNA platforms and stuff like that to where when you're outside of my office environment, I'm going to grab your machine and I'm going to send you through scrubbing centers. I'm going to sandbox and quarantine your device. If I see malicious code, I'm going to do kill codes on that malicious code. And then and only then allow you into the network resources that only you are allowed in to do your specific job. You don't even know there's other stuff in here. Only you're allowed somewhere, right? But then there was a problem with that too is, okay, now you allowed me into my Azure container to do my specific job and you gave me a VPN. So my front door's open, your front door's open. You gave me a secure connection. Where am I allowed to go once I get into your front door? Your bedroom, your bathroom, your basement, your crawl space. Your, I can, I'm allowed to go anywhere, right? It's linear. I can go anywhere now. So you need to be able to segment me into no hazel horse. You're allowed in the second cabinet drawer of the kitchen. You don't even know there's other rooms in this house. That's ZTNA, zero trust access, but zero trust access also has a different animal called zero trust network, which means access is simply that I'm allowed in the third kitchen drawer. But what happens if I'm in the kitchen drawer and I go to Facebook marketplace and pick up some malicious code and flight? Do I have the capacity of now infecting that container? Yeah. 
well, what if I was on a backbone provider and that backbone provider was had me in a scrubbing center that was staring at me in real time, scrubbing malicious code in real time. That way, if I do go to Facebook Marketplace and pick up malicious code, I can't infect that container. And that's not zero trust access, right? That's zero trust network architecture. And marketing companies are selling ZTNA all over the place. You see it in Google and LinkedIn or whatever, but it's it, back to that use case, Mr. Customer, what do you mean by zero trust access? Because zero trust network could be, I'm going to do a Zscaler. I'm going to do a Palo Prisma. I'm going to do a Checkpoint Harmony. Sweet. I have no local SD-WAN controls, right? That is, that is an option. So am I going to be talking about ZTNA and stuff like that if you already have the Cisco umbrellas and whatever of the world? No, but I need to know that from, from the customer is what tools have you already invested in? We don't want people spending money unless they need to. If they've already right. invested in a technology, we need to be able to utilize that technology, but make it more simplified and more elegant. That's what we're doing. So fair fair to say, if I sum that up, we've gone from the the far reaches of, no, I'm going to manage this box myself. All my employees are in one location to where we are, you know, the, the gradual... Uh, growth of remote work, call it COVID or not COVID, you know, after all of that, still definite prominence in remote work and mix in all of the social media and all of the thankfully realization of needs for granular security over the last couple of years because of how good some of the bad guys have gotten to where now we've gotten and can get very, very, very granular on the security and the controls within that. And it is all it all gets collapsed. So good, awesome sum um, with some of that. So as as we get into uh, the last question here, I would love to have everybody understand because like we said at the beginning, right, we're, we're here to help run side by side with our partners, talk to the customers, figure out what they're trying to accomplish and, and put that into a solution that then is a fit. So I would love to walk through from your perspective, walk us through real quick, an example that you got brought into what what were you told the situation was? What did it look like as you kind of got deeper into the you know into the customer's environment? And then what did you ultimately end up um, replacing with that? And kind of what was the value in that story? Yeah, great question. And I do a I do a ton of these, just so you know. So it's it's hard to pick one out. So I'm just going to pick out my most recent one because I'm old and I and I have a short memory. <laughs> um, <laughs> but in this instance, we were brought in uh, by by the telecom guy. Hey, look, I want to go uh, UCAS. And I want to go uh, cloud contact center, but I need these applications in 100% uptime. I can't do failover failback that I'm doing on my Palo Alto firewalls. I have to have 100% uptime, so I need SD WAN. And in this case, they were an international. They were an international company, so I need an international SD WAN. Um, they also had locations in mainland China. They were also doing distributed file shares all over the globe. So my guys in mainland China needed access and resources to LA and and Hong Kong and Bangalore and Singapore and Ireland and all this other stuff, right? So we brought in a, a backbone provider that could get us outside of mainland China. They've got agreements with, you know, the Chinese government that allows them to do SD-WAN and kind of do a workaround around that great firewall world. Um, brought in the air appliances, which just do local link aggregation, all this other stuff. We're going to stack it onto the Palo Alto fires. We're not even going to do security yet, but this is how this morphed, and this is why it gets, gets real fun, right? It, so now we do this. We're going to do... Private layer two backbone, get rid of all their MPLX. We're going to do local SD-WAN for link aggregation and application control. So now go buy your UCAS, go buy your CCAS. It's going to be perfect, right? They were doing cloud services through multi-cloud 
So, and, and they weren't doing, I think, their European location at Verizon MPLS, their U.S. locations at AT&T MPLS, which is fine, right? And then they had Megaport to give them direct connects into all of the hyperscalers. So we do the local SD-WAN, then we give them that layer two backbone, and then it was a epiphany. Well, wait a minute. Now that I'm on these guys' local or their layer two backbone with their 60 pops throughout the globe, and they all are in all of these data centers, can't I just use their layer two to get me directly into Azure, Google, AWS, SharePoint, all this? Oh, yes, you can. So I can get rid of Megapore when that contract comes up, right? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. I can go ahead and get rid of my Cisco routers because I don't need those anymore because now I'm doing real SD-WAN, right? So I got rid of Cisco routers. I got rid of Megapore, right? Um, got rid of my MPLS when that's coming up, and that was $40,000 a month. So I got rid of MPLS, got rid of my Direct Connect, and got rid of my right my local regular fire my router right and then as we're doing this deployment then then we finally get to the cybersecurity team originally we were blocked out of that oh i got a team that does cyber second we want to talk about it we're big palo shop we love palo i love palo too big palo shop we love palo and then it got to the well we've got you know 60 70 locations around here with a palo firewall at each location i got two guys managing those palos i don't have a security operations center i'm not doing sam i'm not doing mdr xdr but I love Palo and I love those local firewalls, except for they're kind of becoming a headache to manage those local firewalls. Hey, Mr. SD WAN player, can you help me with this? And it was a, well, you know, you got on-prem firewall. What if you did this, Mr. Customer? What if you ingested the Palo firewall software into the appliance that's doing SD WAN? And now I can decommission the on-prem Palos, but I've got the Palo perimeter security inside my SD-WAN appliance. And then what did I do? Oh, look at this. I got next-gen firewall that replaced my on-prem firewall. I got SD-WAN that replaced my routers. I got Direct Connect that replaced my Megapore. I got late private layer two that replaced my MPLS. And the original co conversation, I think in the first two, five minutes, or five, 10 conversations was, oh, this is gonna be so expensive. And it was like, wait a minute. It can be if you eat the entire elephant day one, but if you look at everything you're spending on all these other best of breed products, if we collapse them, we just had a giant cost containment modeling on accident. So I think our current, I, I, originally they were spending close to $200,000 a month on all of their best of breed free products. And I think we're now at 60 grand a month. So we saved them what, $140,000 a month by collapsing their environment. Not only do we collapse our environment with really the same product they're already using, but now I've got simplistics and elegance too, because I'm not logging into a router. I'm not logging into a firewall. I'm not logging into that. I'm not logging. So now a network admin has one orchestrator. The telecom is using the same orchestrator as my security guy that's using the same as my connectivity guy. That It's all there, simple and elegant. Oh my God, how easy did this, get, this just get? And that's where SD-WAN is gone. Back to, it's not a product. It's a platform based on a use case. That's what it is. Love it. Beautiful stuff. Good detail. Uh, it's funny when we stumble into saving people money. There's value there, <laughs> unbeknownst yeah. to us. Yeah. Um, and even funnier, though, even better, though, is when the partner brings us to the table of the, I need another circuit, and we ask why. You know, what's the firewall? And we ask why. When we, the engineers, come in and help those partners, we could have just sold this guy some SD-WAN and some connectivity and walked because that's what he asked for. Yeah. And we would have been, what, eight, nine, ten grand a month, maybe in that, that example. But by 
helping them collect their environment and build elegance and simplicity based on risk management. I mean, we just, we, we tripled that MRC for the, for the, for the partner. I wouldn't say on accident because I'm always thinking this and so is our engineering team, but for the partner, it was a, uh, oh, oh my God, I, I did not know that this was even a possibility. Right? And, and, and I love the detail that you go into, right? That kind of shows behind the scenes how we got there because that's, that's the point um, as we get to kind of some of the final thoughts on this. The point is um, whether you've sold contact center before or you've sold network before or you've sold mobility before, whatever. Our, our goal with this is to help you get deeper um, into a new discipline that you may not be in, right? And and understand how we do it and understand some of those resources that are behind us. I love the glimpse that you give with that. Awesome. So final thoughts, uh, future looking. If if you look out, right, we've we've painted a, a, I think you've done a really good job of a, a picture of gradually how this model has changed, but your uh your humble opinion of what's next right is it is it casby is it sassy is it the collapsing of tools like what what do the next 24 to 36 months look like yeah so your, your gardeners and your forester your analysts out there are still saying you know you know i even hear them today right best of breed is dead we're going to collapse into single environments and platforms as a service that's not true that's not true because we still have the fortune 5000 out there that has divisions of divisions of divisions of I got a security division that's going to do this. I got a telecom division that's going to do that. I got a voice division that's going to do that. And they don't talk to each other. They don't want the same platform, the same operation, the same management mechanisms, right? They're separate. And that's okay. And that's where these best of breed products come in that we have and we can bolt on and do all that other stuff. I call it service training. That's fine. It's the guys that are, I don't have a team of 60 guys in engineering. Uh, I did. And I had 19 different cybersecurity man, uh, platforms and 16 different pieces of software. And I had 20 guys running my shop. And now I've got four. IT admins' jobs are not to run around with their hair on fire with band-aids fixing people's broken mouse pads. It used to be. Their jobs are now make me money. You, Mr. IT guy, from the CTO all the way to the desktop support guy, your job is no longer to fix a keyboard. Your job is to go figure out ways to make the organization money, make me elegant, make me simplified, figure out used to be, oh, just go save me money. No, 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 no. Saving money is a byproduct of simplicity and elegance. So now all the way to the guy in the telecom closet, right? He's got to start figuring out where's my value to the organization. It's not in the patch panel. It's got to be in the next evolution of technology. What's the next software? What's the next application that's going to make me money? What's the next way to do better customer service? Should I do, you know, chatbots and, and AI? And what I need to figure this out. How can I figure this out if I'm in the attic pulling Cat5 cable? So now I need to take my IT guys that, you know, I hired from Dubai or ITT Tech or whatever, and now I've got to give them strategic visionary ideas on making me more money. Now, the enterprise guys still have the guys, you know, covered in asbestos, you know, and under desk pulling cables and fixing desktops. That That's going to happen for quite some time now. So Forrester, Gartner, I'm sorry if you're listening, Best of Breed is not dead. However, for those guys that have collapsed their staff and their talent pool, they've got to they've got to start thinking. I wouldn't even say outside of the box. I would just think, start thinking about how do I make my job easier and make my company more money? That's the game. It's not tech anymore. It's money. Beautiful stuff. I think anybody that listens to this gets an honorary doctorate in something. 
because uh, <laughs> we went to school today. This is great stuff. Uh, Josh Hazelhorse, I appreciate you so much for being on the show, my friend. Love it, sir. Thank you for letting me come in. And, uh, man, I love teaching. I got a passion for this stuff. So call me anytime. Awesome. All right, everybody. That wraps us up for today. I'm your host, Josh Lopresto, SVP of Sales Engineering here at Tolaris. And this wraps us up for Advanced Networking. Tune in next week uh, after this as we have our supplier on to dive deeper into their technology. Till next time. Thanks, everybody. Next Level BizTech has been a production of Tolaris Studio 19. Please visit Tolaris.com for more information.